What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Do you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book. And send it to the There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. The Fox scores five in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, you don't like that. You don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. We got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're getting deeper and deeper into draft coverage and uh, starting to feel the water rising and uh, beginning to panic because, man, this tier of, like, number two to number nine, ten, or even eleven is just... It's really difficult to sort these guys out. Yeah, you're you're very right with that. It's a huge tier. Um, and we're talking like Anthony Edwards one. Yeah, and I mean even that is up for debate, but not yeah, not for sure. Me. Not with me personally. Right. No, I, I feel like Edwards is the one in this group. Um, but but we've touched on him, and yeah, the guys we're getting into today is Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State and Killian Hayes from Germany. Um, we'll go with Ulm, I believe is how you say his team name. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, the reason we're doing these guys together, they're both six, five, um, mainly on ball guys. There's a little bit of a difference there for Halliburton that we'll get to. Um, and interestingly, I know after we stopped the last recording, you were like, man, I'm feeling really good about Halliburton. He's got the seven foot wingspan. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's been plenty of reporting of that, but that is just not the case as from my understanding. Yeah, I noticed this. I think I pointed this out right after the end of the last episode. I was like, so I have an issue here, and I put it on Twitter too. I'm like, two of, I think, two of the more reliable uh, NBA coverage websites out there have a five-inch disparity over Tyrese Halliburton's wingspan. The Ringer has it listed as seven feet, and the Athletic has it listed as six foot seven. Um, Our friend Bryant West provided uh, a link to uh, a picture from Sam Vecini that showed six foot seven and a half. And I'm going to, I'm going to probably lean that way. I, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm, I'm going to just, in my head, I'm going to assume he's like a six foot eight. Wingspan. Yeah, because it does still feel like a little longer. It doesn't feel quite seven foot. And I kind of ended up talking it up to maybe he's just, a little skinny, so his arms look longer. If that makes any sense, um, really skinny. I let's just get into this right now. Let's get into Tyrese Halliburton first. Are you good with that? Yeah, it's fine by me. 
and let's get into his physical appearance. Like, not his appearance, but his, like... His, <laughs> his big man, nose. This is where we're starting. <laughs> this man's, like, his physical profile is bananas. Like, 175 is where I have seen the most reliable data as far as weight. And, yeah, 6'5", like, but lanky 6'5", yeah. Long 6'5", six, 6'8", six, maybe you could say maybe he's grown even a little bit from there, but it feels like this guy, I mean, this guy is just a, he's a twig. Yeah, and it, that's going to be some of the main concerns for him on the defensive end for me. Um, like we'll get into, he has really good feel on both ends, but, but yeah, there is definitely some concerns with that. And it's hard to judge. I, I haven't, part of, this being one of the first years of really driving in, diving into the drafts is I am skeptical to say what I feel like will change with these prospects. Um, but I kind of feel like his frame isn't the best for putting on weight. Like I, I look at him and I see Shea Gildas Alexander. That's the comp that the ringer has listed for him. And yeah, I mean, he is just a spindly guy. Like, And he's not that young either. Let's get some of the some of like the base numbers about him out there. We did the high, we did the weight, we did the wingspan. He is already 20 years old. So it's not like he's an 18-year-old who is going to, you know, can eat all summer, the next couple summers. It feels like he should be closer to his physical peak than he appears. Right, yeah, he's a sophomore, um, and... Yeah, that, that definitely feels to be the case. I, I would kind of assume that this is the sort of body he's going to be working with. Um, and, yeah, just for the base numbers, he was playing 36 minutes a game at Iowa State, 15 points, 6.5 rebounds with uh, – I'm sorry, five, 6.5 assists, 5.9 rebounds on 50% from the field, 50, 41% from three and 82% from the free throw line. Um, we'll get into those because those are obviously impressive numbers, and also two and a half steals a game. Like, the stat yeah. sheet loves this guy. The stat sheet's incredible on this guy. I don't understand how he gets that many rebounds when he weighs a buck seventy-five. Like, it's confusing to me. Um, yeah. The team he played on was not great. I'll say that. Um, I believe they were uh, – Let me. I can – it's a theme for a lot of these guys, actually. Like, you think of, like, USC. Um, I mean, obviously, Georgia. You know, a lot of these guys are not playing on great teams. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the last two guys, I mean, Okoro and Vassell, we covered, are, were both on strong yeah. teams. Uh, right. But, like, I mean, Wiseman barely played, but you're talking Memphis, Obi Toppin, Dayton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, you're seeing that a little bit in this one, for sure. Yeah, and it just, I don't know. I i don't understand, like, the 2.5 steals, like, the 5.9 rebounds, these types of numbers, they feel, like, cartoonishly good for a guy that looks this way. And I, I need to, like, get rid of my biases or whatever, but it's just, it's confusing to me how this guy can be so productive. But he is productive. Yeah, 12 and 20. On the on the year, that's the that's the record for wow. Iowa State. So that's, have you have you seen how shockingly similar his numbers are to Lonzo in college? I have not. It's insane. So the per forty numbers, right? Points per forty for uh, 
for Halliburton and Lonzo is both 16.6, for the exact same for rebounds per 40, 6.4 for Halliburton, 6.8 for Lonzo. Assists is 7 for Halliburton, 8.7 for Lonzo, um, 2.7 steals for Halliburton, 2.1 for Lonzo. Um, they also both hardly get to the free throw line, 1.8 um, per 40 for Halliburton, 2.1 for Lonzo. When we're talking uh, Lonzo's college numbers, this is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very similar numbers to Lonzo. Interesting. Uh, Lonzo, I feel like, is a bit bigger, a bit thicker, a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty surprising. How was UCLA that year? I'm trying to think back. Uh, I, I I can't probably pull that up right away, but um, I feel like they were a better team than Iowa State, at least. Yeah, I I would – yeah, I don't have it in front of me either, but I, I would guess that they were a better team as well. Yeah, so, all right, let's get into the biggest upsides for Halliburton. Um, and I don't – this might even be arguable, but we probably have to start with – the shooting and the spot up shooting. This is so weird. <laughs> this is so weird. Yeah, it's, this is where more like physical appearance stuff comes in because this man's shot is disgusting. Oh, it's I, so geez. gross, dude. If you literally just sat me down and showed me his shots, I'd be like, this guy is a terrible shooter. Yeah, no, I was. I I when I read how well he was shooting, I just had to check and double check. I'm like, surely the volume must be low. Then. Right. And then on uh, Mike Schmitz's, no. like, where he's watching film with them, he's like, yeah, I just have to, like, shoot it differently every time. Yeah, I like, think in that uh, video he talked about, like, the coach bringing in his kid, and the kid would shot, shot <laughs> all the shots because he had to, like, load it up yeah. from below his waist. Like, this man's shot is horrific. It the, It's a really weird load time. There's, like, he really puts it on top and, like, almost over his shooting hand, rotates it a lot. Uh, it's a slow release. I don't know what is going on. And it's really different every time. Like, it is shockingly different every time. Yeah. But that being said, on, like, Synergy spot-up numbers, he's in the 99th percentile and shoots 73.5 adjusted field goal percentage. He's an insane shooter. Like, I mean, like we said, 41.9% from three on 5.6 attempts. Like, it goes in. I don't know what to say about it, yeah. Um, but... It, it's mainly like he's not doing too much off the dribble, though, because if a guy is there, it is like a fairly blockable shot. Okay, I'm sorry. I just have to throw this out there because I spent too much time Googling it. Uh, UCLA was 31-5 and five with Lonzo Ball. So oh, wow. That's, that's a, I mean, so the numbers were very similar, but one was on a very, very good team. One was on a really not good team, a pretty bad team. Right. That's a really good point, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, going back to the shooting, like it's – uh, I, I mean, like, this is one of the greatest mysteries of all time. And, like like you said, it was very different at the shot each time, and it was it was evolving throughout the season. He was changing it throughout the season. He was working on it. And it's going to be a work in progress. Like, he knows and he readily admits, like, in that Schmitz video, he talks about how it's going to have to change um, right. as time goes on. And, and a, bit, a big reason that he shoots like that is because he wasn't strong enough to hit a three-point shot naturally like with his strength like he wasn't getting that range on it so he had to start using this sort of cockeyed approach and it's going to have to change a lot and like obviously 
the three-point line in the NBA, like, there's probably going to be more adjustment there as well. Even though he can hit it from far out, it's like yeah, it's a strength issue. He's 175, and he's a bag of bones. But right. yeah, again, like, it goes in, so I don't know. Yeah, I genuinely don't know what to make of that. Like like I said, 73.9 adjusted field goal percentage on catch and shoots, but 34.2 adjusted field goal percentage on off-dribble shots. Um, that is ridiculous. And I mean, a lot of times you like to look at the, one of the most translatable things and telling things is his free throw percentage. And I mean, 82% is a good sign there. That being said, he doesn't get to the free throw line very much. I mean, we're talking 45 total attempts. Right. Um, and it's also interesting you brought up that Lonzo point because they talked about Lonzo in that Schmitz video where he basically described how Lonzo's three point percentage was wasn't there for him in the NBA when that transition was made, and he kind of didn't have a mid-range to go to. And, I, you know, obviously he's pointing out that Halliburton doesn't really have much of a mid-range either, and where if the NBA shot isn't there, then he maybe can hit this range that's now suddenly just a really long, ineffective two. And, like, how – how helpful is it to have a like a 41% shot on long twos, especially if you're being guarded by better defenders? Right. Uh, and then Lonzo's obviously adjusted and he's getting better, so you know that could come along as well. But it's gonna it's gonna be a change. Right. And yeah, but one of the primary things of him and part of the other thing they mentioned about Lonzo is the passing, and he's not the level of passer that Lonzo is. Um, I think the point that they made was the outlet passes that you see from Lonzo, you get some of those with Halliburton. Um, Halliburton is a a great passer in in transition and specifically in the pick and roll. Both of these guys we're going to get to, Killian Hayes as well, um, both are great passers. And I think that's really like we're mentioning the shot, obviously, because there is a lot of questions to it, even though it's going in. That that could be a skill for him. But one of the main things that you're going to get from Halliburton, no matter, even at his lowest point, I mean, he's going to be a good passer in the league. Yeah, I think he'll be a good passer. Um, I don't think that he'll necessarily be a great passer. I think he has that potential. Um, some of his stuff is kind of – he's kind of trapped between the Hayes and the ball. Um, and, again, we'll get to Killian Hayes in a minute. But Hayes is – a uh, fantastic like half court pick and roll passer where ball is like this free flowing street ball sort of like right. crazy kick aheads crazy outlets um, and these like insane no look behind the back stuff like your Jason Williams white chocolate esque stuff and Halliburton's kind of in between there um, he has some of that flash but I do question the pick and roll stuff not a very effective pick and roll. Uh, what is it? Thirty something, thirty-one percent uh, percentage in, in as the pick and roll ball handler. Yeah, it's thirty-five, thirty-five percent, thirty-eight point two adjusted field goal percentage. Yeah, um, so it's definitely not the most encouraging there. And there's a decent amount of turnovers, which is just going to happen with extreme usage. And to be fair, I mean, he didn't run much pick and roll in his freshman year, and he picked that up a lot in his sophomore year. So there was a bit of a a learning curve that happened, and I mean, he's still getting used to that. Um, but, but yeah, that that is, uh, it, it's. I think it'll be a nice part of his game. But he is a secondary ball handler to me. Like I, he's not the guy that you want running the offense, which for Sacramento is 
kind of a good thing. Huh, that's interesting. I do you think that hmm, like do you think that he could be the lead ball handler for for a team at least like for a while? I think he could. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that if we're talking, you know, on the higher end of his outcomes, I, I think that he could. And it's not that I don't think that he's initiating pick and roll still. I just don't think I'd want him as the primary guy uh, handling the ball and initiating the offense every single time down the floor. As far as being a playmaker and an initiator, and just leave the comp- like leave the comparison just to playmaking and style, but how does he compare to Bogdan Bogdanovich where like he can be the number one initiator at times, but maybe he shouldn't be like, that's the offensive role. If we're talking initiator that I see for Halliburton, for sure. It's a Bogdanovich style rule. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely where I'm at with him here. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, in regards to his finishing, like he does finish well around the basket. Like, Synergy has 60% in the 67 percentile. I mean, that's impressive. But this thin frame, to me, like, when he's meeting these real big NBA bodies, he's going to – there's already times in college where he's just really easily pushed off of his spots. And I think that getting downhill for him is not an area that I see is going to go that well for him. I I don't see him as being an around-the-basket guy all too much. I think he's got a great touch, but he's pretty soft. Yeah, he does have a bit of a floater to him as well. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah, good touches is definitely accurate. Yeah, and that's the type of guy who could develop a 99th percentile, disgusting-looking jumper. Is this a guy that's got like great feel and great touch and like figures it out somehow? Right. Uh, Lamelo. <laughs> like, could. yeah, he doesn't have the numbers to back well, up like this, but I was gonna make this comparison too. Like, could he be? What, like, if LaMelo played for Iowa State, wh- how different are their, are their numbers? Hmm. This is interesting, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'll say LaMelo probably definitely doesn't have an 99th percentile uh, yeah. spot-up yeah. figure, but, like, in terms of a lot of the other stuff, like, the size isn't that dissimilar. The passing isn't that dissimilar, though advantage ball, uh, and the yep. shooting isn't, like, that dissimilar in terms of style and, like, how untechnical and untraditional it is, but then obviously advantage Halliburton. Yeah. No, you have a really good point. I, I think that these guys are, are pretty similar there. Um, I think you could make an argument that it, it would be a, a really comparable numbers, um, aside from what you mentioned. Yeah, even to the point of, like, the steals, I think that if Lomelo – I mean, those steals are a little ridiculous with, with the numbers that you're seeing for Halliburton. Again, the 2.5 a game. Um, but I, I like a little bit of what LaMelo can do when he's locked in. Um, and to Halliburton's credit there, I mean, he does stay locked in on the defensive end if we move to that a little bit. Um, yeah, let's go to defense for he's, sure. He's a playmaker off the ball on defense, Is to, to put it generally, in regards to his role for me. Yeah, um, uses his length well, and he does have decent length. Like, you know, if he – I mean, which – I guess he's like – like, is he – I kind of am tempted to refer to him as a point guard, but it is more of a Bogdanovich situation. It's more of like a, a – a, I guess it is more of like a secondary guard. Uh, 
But even so, like six eight wingspan, great. Right. But no, I mean I'm with you. I kind of would call him a point guard. Yeah. I but I mean, is it mainly just because like he was the playmaker he was the guy with the ball in his hands every single time at Iowa State, you know? With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, it's no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, let's talk more. Let's talk about his defense, and then talk more about that because I gotta. I do need to figure that out as far as like what role he should be drafted into. But going back to the defense real quick, off ball good, uh, effort is good, the length is good. He's like he will give you. He'll be kind of a pesterous off ball defender. Uh, it will be very irritating uh, to try to play against this guy, especially when he's off ball. Yeah. He is an insane playmaker, 2.5 steals. He's going to use that length to jump passing lanes. He has nice vision on defense as well. Like he's the feel translates defense as well. He's smart. He kind of anticipates plays well. Um, but yeah, then like he's incredibly frail. He's a right. frail man, like 175. But when it comes to on ball stuff, it's going to be a real, real issue. Yeah, and I, I just I wasn't all too encouraged by his on-ball defense. I don't don't think it was bad or anything, but he definitely stood out to me more as an off-ball guy. And that frame, like you mentioned, on top of that is definitely going to hurt him to the point where, you know, maybe he has some size where he could get away to threes in regards to length. But with the weight, I I think that there are some twos in the league that will take advantage of his weight Um, and being able to go through him and I talked about him not being able to get downhill himself. I think that there will be guys that are able to kind of just go through Halliburton sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would agree. I think that the on-ball is definitely where his concerns are on defense. Um, maybe making him – yeah, I mean, he's probably a, t- a two if we're talking defense there. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm glad you said that he gets in passing lanes because that was one of the main in his vision, and I think it comes from having an offensive understanding, and that doesn't always translate, but it definitely does for Halliburton. Um, and, yeah, he, he the main reason that he's getting these steals is not going and necessarily stripping it from guys or anything. It's jumping in passing lanes and anticipating where it's going to go. Even little things like, you know, when, when uh, people are lackadaisical in their passes – um, just to initiate an offense, like he is engaged the entire time, and he's not going to let you get away with some weak little pass, and he's going to jump in that passing lane and take advantage of that. Definitely. Um, where do you let's get into this position argument because we can talk about positionless NBA 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, whatever. But I do kind of feel like the if we're talking about the ceiling of this guy. 
it's built around the concept of having a five eight point guard with a five uh, sorry a six eight point guard with a, a, a sorry a six five point guard with a six eight wingspan like that's if that works and he can be your point guard just having that size even if the weight isn't there even if the strength isn't there it's, it's a huge thing it is um in I mean, if we're talking Sacramento, like, they just don't need that. Like, you have your point guard, right? It's the same argument that we kind of had for LaMelo, no? Yeah. It's a, I think the it's a very similar situation with LaMelo. And I, think I mean, Halliburton similar. can obviously do more off-ball, mainly around that right. effective catch-and-shoot. Yeah, I'm – let's – I'm just thinking of him as an overall prospect for a second. Okay. Like, thinking about the teams at the top of the draft lottery. Like, hmm. Could Atlanta, like, yeah, I mean, our team's going to be generally deterred from picking him unless they think he can be the point guard. Um, hmm. Yeah, I... I'm really not sure. Um, I, I don't think that they think he needs to be the point guard. I kind of predict him as a little bit more. So, like, in the mock, it has – in Sam Bassini's mock, it has him going to Phoenix. And I like this idea where he is a point in regard to he's guarding the point, but really most of the ball handling duties are getting delegated to Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, and there's – I mean, you don't want Booker initiating absolutely everything. Um like just because you, sh- in my opinion, you shouldn't have one guy do absolutely everything. You need other guys that are capable of it as well. That if Halliburton does get it swung to him, that he's able to do it sometimes as well. But I don't want him as the again, yeah, I don't want him as the primary um, playmaker and initiator on offense. And I, I think that on defense, like uh, the reason I say I'd prefer him guarding twos is because of that off-ball defense. And, I mean, usually when you're guarding the one, you're uh, spending a lot of time guarding pick and rolls, which I think he did an okay job, but I'd rather him be not involved in that and being able to roam a little bit and make plays. Okay, so then on to, like, a very Kings-specific, Kings-pertinent question. Can he play the three? I don't – I don't really think so. I mean, because you're talking of lineups with – what Fox, Bogey, and Halliburton, like, uh, again, if we go to Shea, like, I guess you saw these three-guard lineups in OKC that I think is somewhat comparable. Um, We're Fox, Buddy, and Halliburton. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I don't think he can defend the three with his size. Yeah, I agree. With his weight. I don't think he's got a chance. I mean, like, it is such a different situation to talk about. These similar-sized guys like Edwards and Okoro, who are 225. Right, right. And, and those are a huge difference. Yeah, that's a legitimate, a, a impressive NBA body. And Halliburton's going to have some issues with, with his body in the next, in the, at the next level for sure. Right. So, like, for just going off of what Vassini has listed sizes, he has, you know, he has... A Coro, both he is both a Coro and Edwards within an inch of Halberton in both height and wingspan. Yeah, and both of those guys would just be so much more equipped 
Yeah. Play small forward. Yeah, ridiculously more so. Um, yeah, I, I really don't think that – I mean, you could get away with some minutes, and if he switched on to it, I think he's smart enough that he's not going to – I was going to say he's not going to get destroyed, but there are moments where he could. Um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely am not comfortable with him playing the three there. Yeah, I mean, there, he definitely would be destroyed from time to time. Um, I guess, like, yeah, I guess he's a combo guard. I think, like, he's – that Bogdanovich comparison just kind of came out of necessity when I was trying to relate it to Kings players, but that is pretty much the position. He's kind of like – he's kind of like a – I mean, even even Bogdanovich is gonna is gonna do better at the three. Yeah, yeah, it, defensively. Right. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, yeah. I I mean, we're not saying they're the same player or anything, but in regards to the roles, I I, I do think that I definitely see that there. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, Bassini has him eleventh in the mock. So I mean, this is a guy that I'm sorry, tenth in the mock. Um, and ninth in the big boards. So, I mean, this is a guy that could could be sitting there if Sacramento stays at 12. Um, I do not feel good about the fit. And honestly, I don't feel great about Halliburton as, as, a, as a prospect. But there's – I mean, I could say that about most of these guys, really. Yeah. Um, it, I thought I felt really badly about Halliburton. I thought I, I, thought I was going to be super, super, super low on Halliburton. And then when I was making <laughs> – when I was making like my overall big board out of the ten guys we've gone through, I did have him fourth. So like, okay, that's like I. But I was ready for that to. I was ready for him to be like ninth. Uh, but the, it's just the way it all kind of panned out. Yeah, I have him sixth, but I have like three different arrows around him, so I have him somewhere between like four and seven. Yeah. And then I have a pretty significant hit with the Kings so, fit. The Kings fit is disastrous, honestly. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't say, like, disastrous, but, like, yeah, you just – I mean, Buddy or, or Bogey has to go at that point. Like, it just – Right. Can't, it doesn't work. And to me, like, his talent's not enough that you do that. Agreed. Um, we got to get – we got to get uh, Tim Maxwell on here because his, like, draft crushes are not – at all working for your right. Uh, we should we should add on both of them, Denny yeah. and Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we definitely do. I think it'll be interesting, definitely uh, at some point to get guys on to defend some of their favorite guys. Like uh, Bryant's really good on Okoro too, which I will say Okoro is one of my favorite prospects to watch. But that's at the college level. We'll see how it translates. Um, anyways, I am so happy you texted me before this that you fell in love with the prospect while we were yeah. doing this. And I was like, man, I really hope it's Killian Hayes because I'm starting to feel this too a little bit. Yeah, it's but then, but yeah, but then I was like, oh man, but if it's Halliburton, like I spent so much time going back on Halliburton to kind of like argue against him and like try to see what you were saying because I kind of felt like it might be him. Um, but I am so happy it's Hayes, man. Oh my god. So like we said, similar, um, and, and he has his issues. We'll get to, but. Similar size, we're talking 6'5 here, um, but he's a lot bigger. Like, I don't have a weight in front of me. I don't know if you do, um, but, okay, this is, uh, I mean, I don't have a weight in front of me. Or 216 pounds is what basketball reference is saying, and that is the number that I remember hearing around that range. Like, he has some some serious weight on him, and it's not in a way you look at him and you're like, man, that, that guy needs to to – really lose a couple pounds, which maybe he could 
he could use, but I, I mean, he has useful weight on him for we his just, like, five size. Fully body shaming on this on this episode, right? <laughs> uh, I have so yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Um, the Stepian has him at one ninety two. Uh, so okay. yeah, I mean, and I, I feel like I feel like I could maybe split the difference there. Um, just to be safe, like it's like two hundred ish. Yeah, I mean, I've seen yeah two fifteen. I see a couple places. I would say like two hundred five, two ten, maybe to feel two ten. Right. Yeah, somewhere in there. Right. I feel I feel comfortable. He's over two hundred, which I mean, it's a huge difference compared to to Halbert. He's got like thirty pounds on Halbert. Right. And uh, yeah, for a little bit, uh, this guy's not even going to be 19 at the time of the draft. He'll be very close to it. I, I actually, well, the draft is going to be moved, so right. he probably will be um, yeah, at yeah. that point. Yeah, but but with assuming it was normal draft time, he would still be barely under 18. Um, so you're talking a, a decent age difference here as well with him. Um, and yeah, I mean a lefty. Shooter, uh, we'll stay away from shooter right now. A lefty with a ridiculous feel for the game, and his passing is, to me, like second to only LaMelo in this class, probably. Yep. Um, I mean, honestly, it could be first to LaMelo. I mean, I was kind of trying to break it down that way before I was talking about how, like, LaMelo is this free-flowing, like, Jimi Hendrix type of passer, <laughs> like it's it's all behind the back and crazy. Yeah. Although Killian is the left-handed guy, so uh, maybe that that falls apart there. But um, yeah, like it's it, it's very unorthodox what Ball does. Where Hayes is like, it's really professional. It's I mean he's been playing That's with beautiful. grown men his whole life. Um, oh, and one thing, one other thing I needed to get out there in Halliburton is that his handles are, like, really loose and high and away from his right. body, where Hayes is, like, super compact. Uh, right. Like it's a very tight handle he keeps on the ball. The passes he delivers are powerful. Like, I feel like he's got urgency on all of his passes. They're one-handed baseball passes with that left. And it's versatile. He can go with a hook pass over the top of the pick-and-roll. He does nice pocket stuff off the bounce. It's versatile with his left hand because there's no passing with the right hand. That is true. There's nothing that with the right true. hand with Killian Hayes. But honestly, you'd rather have all lefty than all righty, probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Uh, guys are used to playing against right-handed players. I, I would, yeah, I would agree with that. And we mentioned him being young. I mean, you would think that he could develop that. And yeah, a, a lot of his. Um, I mean, yeah, we talk about the really nice passing that you're getting from him, obviously, and then you'll see these, and they're extremely bullish, these uh, James Harden comps with a couple of plays, right, where, and it's just because he's a lefty that has a couple of nice dribble moves, like you said, and then this step back that he loves to go to. Um, and that's where you see it a little bit there. Um, and obviously not trying to, Say he's James Harden. I feel like you've got to put that out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you see the the craftiness of him scoring off the dribble, and that combined with the the playmaking that you're getting from him makes him a really dangerous pick and roll player. 
Huh. I had not heard the James Harden comps, and yeah, I don't love it. It's too much. Like, it's probably a little better to say, like, a D-Lo in a way. And again, I mean, people, it's yeah. just kind of throwing left-handed uh, step-back shooters out there, you know? But Yeah, yeah. The D-Lo one I like a lot, actually. Um, he's, yeah, no, I, I like the D-Lo one a lot. He's even, I think he's even bigger than D-Lo. Um, got a better wingspan, at least, but yeah, I, I mean, the size is interesting. It's similar to Harden, I suppose. Like, he's definitely, definitely has a two-yard-sized body, if not, like, a very large two-yard. Like, quite frankly, I could see him being kind of small forward-sized, uh, like a smaller small forward. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't love it, but I think that, yeah, I, there's definitely – there's an argument for it, which, like, obviously with Halliburton, I don't feel like there really was. Um, not, not, a, not as, like, where you'd play him, but, like, in terms of – so he's, if he's 6'5 with a 6'9 wingspan, 215, yeah. like, I don't know, at 18 years old, I, I don't know. I don't want to build in the growth too much. Three in, like, the same way that you talk, like, bogey can guard threes? That's, that's like, bigger than bogey. Like, that, that's right where bogey's body size is. Yeah. Okay. And he's – He's growing. I do believe right. that. Yeah, and, uh, and and yeah, I mean, I think that obviously we saw a lot of what he was doing out of the pick and roll, and like I mentioned, he's extremely left-handed. Um, you, there was nice finishing that he was able to get as well, and you mentioned uh, a dribble package that really is impressive. There's nothing flashy to him necessarily, um, but it all is effective, and it's a tight handle, like you had said, and I mean, it's just like you feel like this guy understands the game amazingly. And yes. the, the knock on his playmaking, I mean, he did have a lot of turnovers. And from my reading, it was it, it got better as the year progressed. And a lot of it was just things that it felt like habits he needed to break bad, uh, that I have confidence that he'll be able to do. Like, he gets up in the air a lot and doesn't and is, like, forced into a pass because he's up in the air and makes a bad decision from there, and that leads to a turnover. And I feel like that's stuff that he'll be able to to cut out. But there were some turnover concerns. Yeah, and he's 18 playing amongst grown men. You know what I mean? Like right. He's running a team against grown men. Um, and I just get why he is, like, why people are falling in love with this guy left and right. I fell in love a little bit. Sounds like you fell in love a little bit. He is... Such a perfect like hipster pick, honestly. For like all the all the NBA Twitter folks out there that have him number one overall. Yeah, Jackson Frank does. Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer has him one. I get it. Like I get it. Like this guy is so easy to love. Like eighteen year old French lefty with a nice shot. Uh, incredible pick and roll game in a pick and roll league. Like the NBA is a pick and roll league. Uh, I get it, you know, the guy wears glasses, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. very he looks like a beast, yeah. curly-haired man. Could he like, had a great you know, jacket on in the Mike Schmitz video, I will say. Yeah, sure. stylish guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the, man is, the guy is French. 6'5 guard, 6'5 point guard, big wingspan. Yeah. There's a lot. To, I mean, he's a pretty dreamy prospect. <laughs> He is, and I, I mean, I feel more comfortable with him as a primary ball handler than I do with Halliburton, and I, I guess I will say part of it 
is, I mean, he's just more effective on the ball. Like, his skills on the ball are much better than off the ball. And maybe it's because he just had the responsibility of handling the ball pretty much all the time, from my understanding, in Germany and didn't get to play off ball all that much. So there's still some stuff that needs to be seen there. And it's hard to find numbers with these guys uh, being overseas. But he did not shoot well off catch and shoot. There was just some inconsistency with it. It felt like when he hopped into it that it, it knocked down a little bit. Um, but again, if you want to point to free throw percentage as an indicator, 90% from the free throw line. And and that's yeah. a that's a I mean it's ten games that he played over there so you want to go back to the year before thirty three when he's playing thirty three games when he's playing in France eighty two percent so I, I mean I have faith in his shot and even one one thing that I had heard somewhere and kind of has started to do is that if you have a concern about a shot like look at the misses and see how bad they are and like I, I saw Obi Toppin's misses were disgustingly bad at times <laughs> most of Hayes's misses were not that bad. Um, like they, they look a little right. sore and something. And a lot of times these are going in and they're snapping the bottom of the neck, the right. neck. <laughs> and the, uh, I mean, just the form it like compared to, I mean, I just watched a bunch of Halliburton tape and a bunch of Hayes tape and it is just a world of difference. Like Hayes is so technically proficient and he's such a textbook player and, like, it's honestly, it's even more drastic when you compare Hayes to LaMelo Ball, who it's just, like, it is, they are, like, bizarro world versions of each other. Yeah. They're both these big point guards that are incredible passers, but, like, they're, it's kind of like, yeah, like, they're, like, Twilight Zone versions where one was, like, a basketball academy European, like, like trained in the traditions of the sport and the other one is just you know the mellow is just like you know Cherry amongst amongst the balls <laughs> like growing up amongst the balls like playing in the backyard playing right. like yeah like football style passes like they're just it's they're kind of weirdly similar in a way but they're also it's like it, it's like a nature versus nurture situation here i feel like if they were raised what if you, like, put LaMelo, made him, like, be raised by Hayes' parents in Hayes' environment? Right. You had Hayes raised by the ball. I don't know. What That's happen. really interesting, yeah. Well, they're both these really great feel guys, right? But they just go about it a little differently. And personally, like, I mean, I sounded like I was huge on LaMelo. Like, I, I would take him. You are huge on LaMelo. Whoa, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is the type of take that I need to hear. Uh, because quite honestly, when I went and did my overall big board so far, I had uh, Anthony Edwards one. We've put that to bed. At least I don't even talk about it more. To me, he's number one. Mm-hmm. And then I had a tier of Lamelo, Hayes, and Halliburton. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I would prefer Hayes. I just I think I like the style better. And we talked about the. The shooting that's there, um, I, I think that, and there is still questions with it. I mean, in previous years, he didn't shoot the ball well at all. Like, again, if you go back just one year in France, 73 three-point attempts, he shot 19%. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's questions on if he, if the shooting is for real. But to me, from from the stroke you see, I'm convinced by it. And I think that that allows that playmaking to be there for him. Um I will say, and 
I, I will say I don't, uh, again, because I didn't really get to see it, I, I don't know what Killian Hayes is really doing off the ball, though, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Right. It's, Similarly to LaMelo. I will also say, like, that's it's not that important because if you're drafting Hayes, you're drafting him to be the engine right. of your team. Right. And right. I think he's going to be high up there like that for sure. Yeah. So it's it's not a discussion like a Halliburton type discussion where it's like, can he play the two? Can he play the three? Is he, can he play the one? Right. And it's like not a clear, good answer. It's, it's Killian Hayes is a point guard and he's a fantastic point guard. And like, he's, so the reason I have Ball, Hayes, and Halliburton in that high tier is because if you can find a 6'5 point guard or 6'5 or larger point guard with like a 6'8 or a larger wingspan, it's a, it's a huge win. Like it's a potentially franchise-changing win. Right, right. So do you think that Killian Hayes could work in Sacramento or is it just a no because it's ball in his hands and same thing with Fox? I think it's just a no. I tried so hard to talk myself into it, but I can't. Yeah, I mean... Because I love the guy from from this research we did. Same as you. Like, I totally fell in love with him. And there were moments, yeah, like you said, with, you know, noticing, like, I can't stress enough, there's no right hand at all. And and then, yeah, a lot of turnovers that you're going to see from him. And, and then, yeah, for the defense, I think that he is really impressive off the ball. Like, I, I almost saw, like, Corey Joseph plays in a way. Where, wow, okay. Where, and, and that's that's probably too kind of a compliment. Um, but, you know, moments where a pass is dropped off to a role man and he's just right there and is able to grab it from that guy and take off with it. Um, it it's less than Halliburton, like, being – Halliburton was in passing lanes. To me, Hayes just understands rotations extremely well. Um, so I, I was really enjoying that. And the on-ball – had some concerns. I don't think he did a great job getting through screens and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think that he's – I don't think he's a negative on defense. I think that I, – I think he'd be a positive on defense slight. I'm sorry, you're saying Hayes would be a positive on defense? Yeah, I, I think Hayes is a positive on defense. I think he definitely is. And I, I think it's built into the size thing. Like, if he's your starting point guard, that's great. Like, I mean, he doesn't need to be – the most skilled defender to be really impactful at six right. five, six nine. And neither of these guys have any athleticism, really. Um, we didn't really mention that for Halliburton. Um, I would say none. I, I think Halliburton has a uh, Halliburton is in, has an interesting athleticism, just in terms of like the explosiveness and yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, none's probably unfair, but it's it's yeah. athleticism is not a strength for these guys, and it's almost a concern in a way, it, at least mainly for Hayes. Like, I, I think that yeah, it, it, that's not – no, you're fine. That's not a part of his – that's not enabling him to be able to do what he's what he is able to do. And my understanding is that there was more athleticism that developed between this year and last, and if that were to continue to develop, I mean, like, Hayes has one of – kind of has one of the highest ceilings in this in this draft. I mean, well, there's guys with really high ceilings that you don't feel like is going to get there quite. Like, it's a really reach, but I guess their ultimate ceiling would be higher than this guy. But Hayes is one of these unique ones with a really high ceiling and, to me, a pretty high floor, too.
Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code BLUEWIRE to get your first order free. Okay, so let's get into ranking our – we've gone through 10 guys. That's a lot of guys, and it's I think it's the consensus top 10. We'll do Maxie and – we'll do Tyrese Maxie and Cole Anthony next. Okay. And then I feel like – And Neesmith and Sadiq Bay. Sure, definitely. But I think once we get Cole Anthony and Tyrese Maxie, I think that is genuinely a consensus top 12. Like, yeah. Like, I, I, you know, Nesmith might be 13th. But I, I don't see him in the top 12 often. I really yeah. don't. Yeah, that's fair. And, and once – I mean, like, Cole Anthony kind of is the wild card remaining. But I, I feel like we've got a pretty good list of guys that we can build our top 10 out. And it's definitely possible that Anthony and Max could sneak into that top 10. But I, I feel pretty good. How would you feel about getting into these rankings? Yeah, I have a Kings top 10 in front of me. Um, if you have a general one, I'll go through that conversation with you, but I don't have it prepared in front of me. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll just talk. I'll tell you what mine is right now. It's obviously going to be fluid. We're going to watch a lot more tape. It's, I mean, and honestly, like, even with the tape I've watched, I really struggle with a lot of these guys. But, um, yeah, I'll go through it. But the reason I, I wanted to get into that is you mentioned the ceiling. I actually ranked all 10 of these guys – by their ceiling, and then by their floor, and then I tried to do a like an overall ranking, and then I did a Kings ranking. Um, and I okay. agree with your point, like, Hayes does have a higher ceiling, but I actually think Halliburton's ceiling is higher. Hmm, okay. Because if he, if he gains, like, the strength okay. and the size, I feel like he could be – a better player. I think the athleticism is there. I think he could be the better shooter, uh, potentially. I mean, he has the numbers. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think like, that kind of position, like, that off-ball, like, lights-out shooter type who can also be an on-ball point guard-ish player is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if it all clicks for Halliburton, I think he does have a higher ceiling, but I definitely do think he has a lower floor. Okay. I guess my argument for Hayes' higher ceiling would be that I think he could be a primary ball handler when I'm not confident that Halliburton could do that, and I just think there's more value in that. Because I, I would agree with you, I think that they they could reach similar heights, but I, I guess that slight difference in their roles and how I feel comfortable with them would put Hayes higher than Halliburton. Yeah, I just think, personally, I, I do think like the ceiling, like the true ceiling for Halliburton is that he he is a number one initiator as well um, and a great shooter. And he gets okay. better. But, so, anyway, yeah. I'll, get, I'll cut to the chase here. Um, I'm just going to go through my top ten as I have it now. 
and I think you'll be surprised by a few of these placements. But and this is just normal, top, like big board top ten? Yeah, not king-centric, and I'll get to like my king-centric rankings. In okay. Bit. And this is just of the ten guys we've done. One, Edwards. Two, Ball. Three, Hayes. Four, Halliburton. Five, Wiseman. Six, Okongwu. Seven, Vassal. Eight, Okoro. Nine, Toppin. Ten, Abdiya. Anything okay. strike you out of that group? Um, Surprises? Well, Ball being two. Right, that that was a little surprising uh, to me. I, I, but in general, if we're talking outside of Kings, uh, it's not like you were necessarily down on ball or anything. Um, and like you mentioned, after that one, it is kind of a tier. Um, yeah, uh, Toppin over over Denny, is that right? Yes. That that one's a little surprising to me. I know we were pretty low on Denny, um, but I guess like I put their potential ceiling a little bit more into it. Um, hmm, yeah, I, I would I would put Denny above top and I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess there is a good chance that Denny just becomes a nothing in a way. Not a good chance, but there is a chance. Yeah, that's a I, – I had Toppin as a higher four guy and Denny as sure. a higher ceiling guy. Yeah. Hmm. No, yeah, I mean, that for the most part, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I probably, even though I, I still like Okoro better than Vassell, weirdly, um, I, I think I just kind of am crushing on Okoro. Like, I just really enjoy watching him play, um, and I've probably spent the most time on him. Like, I, I just really believe that he's going to find a way to impact the, the game, and I, I guess I am kind of banking on him becoming a – decent shooter on low volume, which might be unfair because if you said that for a lot of these guys, the projections would change. Um, but I just like Okoro a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, no, for the most part, I, I kind of – I see where you're coming from because, uh, same as you, a lot of these guys are constantly moving for me after Edwards. Yeah, and I think you'll see this in the Kings list I have as well, but uh, <clears throat> I think I've built in a lot of, like, risky guys high because – that's kind of what the draft is, especially in the top five. Like, just take a home run swing. I, I know I know that's not maybe what you do if you're the Kings because you've got some pieces in place and a bust like a James Wiseman, if he busts out, would be really awful uh, for the franchise. But I just think, like, kind of just take your home run swings. That's why I have Ball at number two. Like, you see he's got this – really high potential. Wiseman at five, like, there's just potential. And that's even why I have Halliburton at four is, like, there's just a there's just so much ceiling for these guys. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and that's why I have, like, a Coro and top and lower is, like, I feel like they have really, really, really safe floors, but I don't – and, yeah, I just don't know if you really – if that's what you're looking at in the top five. But, but I digress. We can get to our King stuff. Do you want to – you, do you want to give your Kings list? I can give my Kings list. We can go I, one, I think, one, two, two. I think, do we start with the guys that, like, you just don't pick if you're the Kings? So I, I put all ten here. Um, okay. Yeah, but I, I will say my seven, eight, nine, ten are guys that I just don't pick. Okay. So I still have Edwards one for the Kings um, because 
like, I mean, same as you, like, he's just one on my board. It's the guy that really feels like he could be a superstar more than anyone else. Yep, I agree. I have Edwards one, and just, yeah, we'll make it work. Yeah. Minute at three. We'll and then I have a Kongwu two, which we kind of talked about a lot before. I do uh, too. Okay, and then I have Vassell at three. I do too. All right, okay. let's go. Okay. I have a Coro at four. Wow, so do I. Okay. All right. Uh, and Avdia at five. Okay, I have the same. And Wiseman at six. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. I have I Wiseman you. here with a lot of arrows, though, because then I have, like, Halliburton and Hayes, where I really was just trying to talk myself into a way that Hayes would work. And it would involve getting rid of Buddy or Bogey, you know? But yeah. even then, like, it doesn't really work. Like, you're right. Like, Denny needs to be the um, the seven here, right? Because Wiseman was six. Uh, sorry. Is that what it was? I had Denny at five. Okay, right. Yeah, sorry. That's what I, that's what I meant here. Um, you had lost in those arrows. Yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so I, I would agree with you because it, it's – I mean, it's mainly the size that we talked about. Like, he has a place that he instantly fits on the Kings roster. Yep. Edwards, we covered that. Akongwu, I think, for all the reasons you've presented, like, love that. Like, it would just – it would work. Like, Akongwu and, and Vassal at three, like, those guys have super safe floors, even if they're going to be kind of role players to a large extent. Mm-hmm. Just lock that in. I'll take that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and Okoro, like, we're worried about the shot, but there's so much to love. Feel safe, can play the three, and same kind of thing. Same kind of logic with, with Avdia, but not the shots. I mean, there's not as much to love, I guess, with Avdia. Right. Yeah. And then, but, I, I, yeah. And then six is, is Wiseman? I have Wiseman there because at that point, like, I just think – Go feeling. Yeah. Go for it. Right. And like go, go for it, and like the position makes more sense than trying to go for it on Halliburton or Hayes. Right, I would agree. Yeah, and then uh, and then after that for for seven, I have Toppin. Even though I don't like Toppin, like he just has a place more than these other guys. Yeah, I I mean like the defense is terrifying of Bagley Toppin, like we've said, but I actually think that you're. Right. I had him dead last, but I would like to move him to seven now that we're talking about it. Like, I like I guess you could pick him. I wouldn't, but, like, I guess you could. I think you're right. I'll go top in seven. Then I have, in this order, because it's the order I think they can play off ball, Halliburton, Hayes, oh. ball, eight, nine, ten. Okay. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's so hard for me because I just love Tilly and Hayes, but he doesn't work. You know, like I try to talk myself into it. But you're right. That is the that is the definite order of them actually working alongside Fox. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. which of these guys, if say Sacramento was at four, would you actually be willing to take? At this point, um like, would you take a Kongu at four? Because you seemed kind of you seemed against that before, right? Like you you've been very preachy about a trading down, which I get in this draft, obviously. Yeah, I just I would like to trade down. <clears throat> like, yeah. it's just I think like anyone like a Koro Vassal, a Kongu, a Dia, even I don't wouldn't love Wiseman, but. A Kongu, Vassal, Okoro, or Abdia, I would be pretty happy with, and I think one will be there at 10, so I would just trade down. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I see what you mean. And is there any of those uh, Ball, Hayes, Halliburton that if they're there at 12, you just pick them because of the talent? Um, so if that scenario were to have happened, then like probably Maxi, Anthony, and Nesmith are gone? Yeah, yeah. I didn't consider who would be gone, yeah. And and to me, like, I mean, that that pick kind of holds more value also, right? Yeah, and at that point, you just do it. Like, you just – Right. You bite the bullet and you take – Give me Killian Hayes. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. You figure it out. Even if it's LaMelo, like, which it won't be, but – Right, and I don't think it will be Hayes either, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be Halliburton. Right, which I I don't hate it. Like, there's a theory on how it could work. You know, and like you said, it does screw over one of Buddy your bogey. This just proves that we have to keep this going. Yeah. This just proves that we have to get into Nesmith and Bay. We have to get into Mm -hmm. Patrick Williams. Uh, I mean, we got to get down into it. Uh, Who would be – we got to do – probably talk about RJ Hampton, even though I hate the idea. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a uh, uh, precious Achua mm. is interesting from Memphis. Yeah, yeah but we're gonna have to get to Poku at some point, which is the way oh, that, that I'm gonna Lord stick with saying it. Yeah, that's the thing is that's who the Kings are picking for and, sure, and, for sure. Uh, we all of them. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I mean, with Bryant, like we have to get to Jalen Smith at some point. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting. It's very interesting. We're gonna. Well, yeah, we're going to keep getting to this. Who was the two that you had said next? You said uh, Maxi and Cole Anthony, right? I think that's the way to go. I think that both those guys, like, those are the only two guys left that I regularly see getting love in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are the, yeah, it kind of feels like the last of this tier almost in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fine by me. And then I'm really interested to get into Neesmith and Sadiq Bay because those two feel like two guys that could realistically be there at 12 that fit for Sacramento. Yeah, and I have to point this out. Because uh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I didn't realize this before, but Tim Maxwell pointed this out to me, and thank God he did because I have a piece coming out about this tomorrow in Sacramento Bee. But uh, it's just as likely the Kings pick 13th. And actually, in a lot of ways, if you really do the math, it's more likely. Oh, if someone else were to move above them. Well, it's a tiebreaker with New Orleans, which is not determined by any in-season record. It's a coin flip. Oh, I didn't realize this. Yeah. yeah. It's a random drawing between Sacramento and New Orleans for who gets 12. And then at that point, like, if they did get 12, it's still a 7% chance that they get jumped. So, like, if we're really doing the math, it's actually slightly more likely that they pick 13. Interesting. Overall. Yeah. So Interesting. Which, I think it's you know, like maybe 45. in this draft it's just like, hey, you get it, you got to pay the guy a little less. Yeah, I mean, at, yeah, I mean, I just think at that point, they, I think that's why Nesmith and Bay are guys to look at because that's like kind of like the emergency pull the lever, like just get a guy that fits the team at thirteen. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, like you said, we'll definitely get into Maxi and Cole Anthony on the next ones here. Um, some guys with a lot of talent and a lot of range in, in regards to what I'm saying for where they could be picked. Um, but, but yeah, in regards to 
wrapping up Halliburton and Hayes, I mean, I just as players outside of Kings, I'm super excited to watch Hayes in the league. Like, I just really enjoyed watching him a lot more than I expected to um, with not having a great understanding of Hayes uh, prior to doing my research. And then Halliburton, it, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this he makes me sick. He makes me sick. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. But I think he, I think he, I think he, I understand this. He makes me yeah. sick, and yet he's like in my top four. <laughs> right, right. That's just this draft. That's this draft. Yeah. But that's going to do it, everybody, for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.